0: Now, uh, as a church, uh, just to remind you, we're reading the whole Bible together, going straight through it. And if you're behind, remember what I told you, just jump back in right where we are. You don't have to try to catch up. Get on the Daystar app, find the one-year Bible. It'll put you right on the day we are, and we just want you to connect with us. But but here's the thing about the the one-year Bible, is you get like two or three verses of the Proverbs every day which I love cuz you know you know just a little bit of it at a time gives you something to marinate on and try to work on every day. But in this series alone, we're just going straight over proverbs and and it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose all of the truth of the proverbs. It is so good, it's so fantastic. I've been hearing from different people who say they just can't believe how personal this is. Like just after the last service in the lobby, lady was telling me, she I can't believe how uh, in line with my life this series is. And, and it's remarkable because Solomon was the king who God offered him anything he wanted, and he asked for one thing alone, and that was wisdom. And so he had this amazing wisdom, and he was so, the Bible says he was the wisest and wealthiest man to ever live. And so because of that incredible wisdom, people came from around the world, all the known civilized world came to hear his wisdom and to hear judgments on questions that they had. Now, here's the wonderful thing. Although Solomon's no longer alive to offer wisdom and judgment to us, he wrote down a lot of his wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And that's over 3,000 years old. And it's never been edited. Nobody, we have historical artifacts that prove what we're reading today is the words that Solomon actually said and wrote. And what is even further amazing is that a text this old will speak to where you are right now. That's how you know it's God. That's how you know God is speaking to you. Now, what I love about Solomon's words are, he he didn't have time for political correctness. I mean, you get it unsanitized, unfiltered, right in your face. It goes off like a bomb. That's why we're calling this series, say it with me everybody, Truth Bombs. And, and just to highlight when something explodes on you, we're asking you to be very honest and go, Okay? If it hits you, just be honest. Everybody practice that with me. One, two, three. All right, we're going to do that some. You know you did it right if the guy in front of you turned around because you spit on his neck. That's how you know you got it just right. So we started out two weeks ago. We talked about how to control your mouth. And I'm so thankful we got that cleaned up. Like I'm sure nobody in the last two weeks has said anything that you shouldn't have said because we fixed your mouth. Kind of get a praise Jesus? I don't want you to say amen because you probably... I wouldn't be honest, but you can always say, praise Jesus. Okay. And then we talked about your chaotic pace, the lifestyle, the schedule that you're on. How do you get that under control? That was last week. Again, this is not me giving leadership advice. I'm reading from a 3000 year old text and it speaks about this chaotic pace we're at today. Now, next week from the wisest and wealthiest man who ever lived, we're going to learn what he has to say about money. Something so valuable, so important. He's going to tell you what your relationship ought to be with your money, how you ought to feel about your money, how important it ought to be in your life. Don't miss next week. But today is a topic that, honestly, I'm sure none of you need this. I mean, you got this down pat, but it's about how to tame your temper. Touch your neighbor and say, you got this. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. I saw a little eye roll action going on right there. Let's jump in. Everybody say, bring it on. So the average man loses his temper six times a week. The average woman, three times a week. Men tend to get angry at things, you know, cars, equipment, stuff. Women tend to get angry at women and men and their children, <laughs> Women get angry at women, all right? That's and and people, you know. That's, that's that's men get angry at things, women get angry at people. And and men tend to get violent or, or not necessarily violent, but they get more demonstrative, they get more physical with their anger. They're angry at a thing, they get angry at that thing. They might throw that thing. But but both men and women usually lose it at home. And that's a sad fact. We usually when we're at home, that's when we lose it. Leslie would say, "No, Jerry, it's when you're in the left-hand lane on the highway." I know that, okay? that's when I lose it. But Proverbs 16 and 32, we're going to start out right here. And all of our texts today are going to come from Proverbs. It's better to be slow-tempered than famous. It's better to have self-control than to control an army. I read that last line. It makes me think of all the military leaders who came and heard Solomon say that. And, And I read about Alexander the Great. One of his life's greatest regrets was a moment where he lost his temper And his best friend was his top general. And he struck, he was angry at the results of the military campaign, and he struck in anger. He struck his best friend and killed him. And and he said these words, I've conquered the whole world, but I can't conquer my own soul. Some of us, we can relate to feeling like, man, I get so much of my life right. Why do I keep failing in this area? Why do I keep saying what I shouldn't say? Why do I just fly off the handle? You know, the thing about losing it is like, it only takes you like three seconds to realize, oh my, I blew it. In fact, I don't know about you, but I have been in the middle of blowing it and knew I was blowing it while I was blowing it. Anybody else? And you're like, this feels so good to blow it right now. I think I'll just finish it and deal with it later. that's, that's what losing your temper feels like. So I'm going to show you three things you can do to tame your temper. Uh, Number one, you need to remember the results because it's not the first time you've done this. Remember what happened last time. Proverbs 29 and 22 says, a hot tempered man, human, by the way, when you see the word man, like 90 something for somebody did a study on it, 90 something percent of the time you see the word man, it means human, human being person. A hot-tempered person gets into all kinds of trouble. That's that's true. Will Rogers says, when you fly into rage, you never land at the right place. And that's true, right? Have you ever felt like you just like, it feels so good to say what, finally, I'm just going to say it. They need to hear it. Blah, 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 blah. But that never ends well. You fly off the handle, but you never land where you want to land. Because the truth is when you lose your temper, you always lose something else might lose a friend, might, might lose the respect of your family. You might lose your job, but you never just lose your temper. You always lose more. Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 11 and 29, now this is a bomb. Get ready for this. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. If you keep on thinking, well, they're just my family, I don't have to straighten up around them. And you keep on stirring it up and you keep a mess going all the time. The Bible calls you a fool and says eventually everything you've got is nothing. It adds up to nothing, and there are many, many people in this world who've lost everything that really matters, and all they've got is a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. It might be big numbers on a paper. It might be a pile of possessions in their hands. It might be big things people could see with their eyes, but you know, guys, you know this. Everybody in this room, you've possessed something that you just thought you had to have, whether it was me. I remember in kindergarten, I remember the first Hot Wheels car I ever got. You know I remember it because I stole it okay that 's why I remember it so well. I got caught and I got a paddling for it by uh, Miss what was her name anyways, first grade, my kindergarten teacher. I still remember that and, and, and but you 've all had that moment where when you had something, you thought, my, this is going to make me so happy, and it wears off the only thing that 's lasting is the friendships the the relationships, your family, your walk with god and and this scripture says if you 're a hot tempered if you fly off the handle all the time, eventually you 're going to find out that all the stuff that you have is meaningless, and the stuff that you lost is what really matters. There was an article published in a James Dobson magazine. It was called, When You Feel Like Screaming. And uh, it was about moms, so here we go. Y'all love me when this is over, okay? Um, it was uh, two questions asked to a survey of nine to 12-year-old kids. And they were all asked the same two questions. They were asked, what do you love most about your mom, and what do you not like most about your mom? And what you love most, the kids were all over the page. But almost every one of them answered the same thing, what do you like the least about your mom? And that is her screaming. They all said the same thing, her screaming. And you know, dads scream too. We just, we raise our voice, but it's yelling or whatever it's called. Why do we scream? Why do we yell? Because it works. It, it's the finally, you've told them kindly, you've said it, you've put this thing in order, you've got a chart on the refrigerator, none of it works. Finally, you just go, hey, and it works some of you just paid attention for the first time. I, <laughs> I literally saw people just like on their phone. I'm going to yell more in here. <laughs> the truth of the matter is it gives you momentary responses, but it, it, it really anger always alienates. There's no long-term good in that. So uh, l- let me read you quickly because I don't have time to teach all these. I want to read these to you. A hot-tempered man. It, these are all in your notes, by the way. A hot-tempered man gets into all kinds of trouble. Hot tempers cause arguments. Anger causes mistakes. People with hot tempers do foolish things. And then the one I just read, a fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. So item number one in this list is think about the results. The results of losing your temper. And you know, something else to think about is the results of managing your temper. Because we're going to all have a temper, right? We're going to all have anger moments. We've all got something boiling up inside of us. But you need to think also about the results of what happens when you manage your temper. See, I'm a result of a person who managed his temper, my dad. My dad always managed his temper. Now, I I was raised by my dad, been very close to him my whole life. The average man, I I read that statistic to you, loses his temper six times a week. I've never seen my dad lose his temper in my whole life. Dad was a fix-it man. He fixed everything, you know, still, still does. Fix your washer, your, you know, your lawnmower, your car. I can't tell you how many times I've seen him wring that wrench off and put his knuckles right into it. And you dads, you know that, you know, what's going to happen is two things are going to fly. The wrench is the first thing that's going to fly, and the words are the second thing, right? Not my dad. Never saw him throw a wrench. In fact, I, I'd like to give you the nastiest thing I ever heard out of my dad's mouth. Some of you are like, oh, my Jesus. Nastiest thing ever heard out of his mouth. Here it is. Dad gummit. That's his go to word. That's as bad as it gets, you know. Dad gummit. In fact, it's kind of a joke around our house. If something didn't go right, we'll just go, Dad gummit. I like to say it. My little boy, you know, he wasn't able to say it early on. He would go, aw gummit, you know. It's kind of our legacy of, of a dad. And when you look at my dad today, he has respect of his children the admiration of his family. He's still married to the love of his life, met her when he was a teenager. There are so many blessings that come in your life when you learn how to control your temper. There are blessings that come to you and you can do it. Everybody say, I can do it. You can. You absolutely can. Jesus says, the man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. If you think you can, you absolutely can. Remember the results. Remember there are horrible results when you make the wrong choice. Remember there are great results when you make the right choice. Number two, write this down. Reflect before reacting. Someone's going to say something. Someone's going to do something. You're going to react. So before you react, reflect. Proverbs 29 and 11 says, a stupid man gives free rein to his anger, but a wise man waits and lets it grow cool. I wish you'd circle the words waits and cool. Come on, tell somebody you need to cool it. Tell them right now you need to cool it. That's biblical. It is biblical that when things freak out in your home, a wise person cools it waits and cools it. Thomas Jefferson was the person, you've heard this idea many times, it was Thomas Jefferson who first said, when you're angry, count to 10 before you say or do anything. And he said, if you're still angry, count to 100. Some of you need to count a really high number to get it down, right? But when you react, when you're angry, when things go wrong in your life and you want to react, pausing a few seconds could be the the few seconds that changes everything. That couple of minutes, that little bit of time. The fact is, the longer you take to react, the better your temper gets. Every, universal truth for everybody in this room. The longer you take to react, the better your temper gets. You wait five seconds, you, you won't, won't be as bad as you did. I mean, sometimes you've been like... And then you speak. Those three seconds change the whole tone of the family. Wait five minutes. Wait overnight. It'll change everything. So before you react, reflect, think about it. A few seconds could change your life. It could keep you out of trouble. It could keep you out of court. A few seconds could keep you out of jail. could keep you out of divorce court. could keep you out of the unemployment line, right? Just a few seconds and you can control it. That's the thing I want you to walk away with this is I can control it. You can control it. You can control the level of your anger. You choose how angry you get. No, I don't. You just don't understand the crazy people I live with, preacher. You live in lollipop preacher land, but you don't understand what it's like to live where I live. And my daddy didn't live. Listen, I promise you, you control. I'll prove it to you. You're at home. Everybody's had this scenario. You know, somebody's made you mad. You're fussing, and you know you're fussing with your spouse, fussing with your kids, arms flailing. You're yelling. Ah, 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 ah. The phone rings. Like, hello. <laughs> We're doing just great. How are you? So glad you called. And some kids over there going, I'm glad they called. <laughs> yeah, you can control it. It's your choice. You, you can control the things that you want to control. Proverbs 12 and 16, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you there's an incoming bomb right here, okay? When a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. But smart people ignore an insult. You're either a fool or a smart person. And here's how I know. When you get annoyed, everybody knows it. They know it right then and right there. A fool can't wait. Can't let anything pass. Slightest little something. Well, I'll just tell you something. You know, you got to say something to me. Well, that might be true, but let me tell you about you. That's a fool. Look at me. That's a fool. I'm sorry. I had to tell you the truth. That's a fool. That won't sell a whole lot of books. Not my, not make me a giga church pastor, but your Bible says what your Bible says. Can I get an amen to that? Person that just can't can't let it go. You constantly here's a good thing. You don't have to stay that way. You can be healed of that. You can change. God's power can fill you up. That doesn't have to be your legacy and who you are. You don't have to let everything be life and death. I just got to deal with this. I can't let anything pass. But but here's the way you do it. Proverbs 19 and 11 says when someone wrongs you, it's a great virtue to what? Just ignore it. Isn't that the example of Jesus? Jesus was lied about, lied to, misrepresented. He was beaten physically, and he did nothing. He ignored it. See, here's a great thing about God. God says, vengeance is mine. Everybody say, vengeance. That's where we get the word revenge. You know, you want to take revenge. They said this, I want to say that. They did this, I'm going to do that. They hit me, I'm going to hit them harder. But God says, vengeance is mine. And I learned a long time ago, God's better at vengeance than I am. Some of the things that God does, if I did them, I'd go to jail. God's great at vengeance. Some of my all-time favorites is when they're making fun of... This is every preacher's favorite. When they're making fun of this Old Testament preacher, these bullies, they're they're young soldiers, and they're bullying this Old Testament preacher, and a bear just comes out of the woods and eats them. How'd you like the sermon today? Be careful how you answer that at lunch today. They're bears in Alabama, okay? bears come out. One of my my personal favorites, of course, is when God strikes the entire army uh, of, of, of his enemies with hemorrhoids. You've read this, right? Whole army, everybody's got hemorrhoids. Could you imagine, you know, everybody, everybody's got a, you know, itching, burning problem at the same time. They took off their gold, their necklaces, all the stuff and melted it down and made a golden hemorrhoid, a statue of a golden hemorrhoid. Everybody recognized it, They knew what it looked like, right? Everybody saw it. God takes vengeance. My favorite, uh, maybe above all of them, is Moses is called out to be a false prophet. He doesn't fight. He doesn't argue about it. Moses looks at them and says, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm a false prophet. But maybe I'm right and you're lying. And maybe God will open up the ground underneath you and swallow you up. And as soon as he got done saying it, the ground opened up and swallowed them up. If I could pull that trick, man, I would shut down everything anybody says. But see, God God can take vengeance. You don't have to say things. You don't have to do things. It takes years sometimes. Sometimes it's not as obvious. Sometimes it's not as immediate. And you wonder, is God actually keeping score? The truth of the matter is, you don't have to keep score. You don't have to worry about that. You work on you. You deal with the person you see in the mirror because that's the only person that you can control. But you can control that person. Nothing or nobody can make you mad without your permission. They can't do it. It's your own choice. You choose. It's your decision. And here's what I've learned. If, watch this very carefully. If you control your thoughts and your actions, your feelings will eventually come in line. They will. You control your thoughts and your actions and your feelings will straighten up. You say, well, yeah, I, I can't help it. I just feel so angry. Well, when you act angry, you feel angry. You ever talked yourself into being mad? Something went down. You didn't really like it all that bad, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a 911 emergency. But as you're driving down the road, you can't believe what they said about me. You know what they said? And you know what? All the, I've been so good to them over all the years. I just can't believe what kind of a nerve. What are they thinking? What are they? Right, right, right. And before long, man, you're boiling hot. You've talked yourself into being mad. You can talk yourself out of being mad, too. You can get it off your mind. You can decide you're not going to think about that. General George S. Patton said, never fight a battle where you don't gain anything by winning. Are you fighting battles that don't really matter? This happens all the time in homes. I do some marriage counseling, not as much as I used to because of my schedule, but when I do, I hear it all the time, fighting over things that really don't matter. And, it, and, and see, that fight is not enveloped in its own little bubble, but it rolls out into every other part of your life. You're fighting battles that don't matter. But Proverbs 17 says, people who stay calm have real insight. What if when you got angry, you stayed calm? And you said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you to give me insight. See, I think God wants to tell you something about your anger. Your anger is not the problem. The anger has a root that's the problem. And the anger is the fruit of that root problem. Here's where most anger comes from. Number one, hurt. I don't think I can put this in your notes when I'm numbering them off my head. Hurt is where it comes from. Someone hurts you. They hurt your feelings. They physically hurt you. You get angry, man. You, you get angry with hurt. Secondly is frustration. That may be where your anger comes from. You get frustrated. Nothing's going right for you. And and, and this person might just be the fifth person that gives you some news that frustrates you and they get all the anger. That's not fair to them. And, and the third, and I think probably the biggest reason we get angry is insecurity. We, we're insecure. We're afraid that, some, that we don't belong, or somebody's going to find out we're not good enough, or this person doesn't really love me. I'm in a relationship that is, is kind of on thin ice, and we stay angry because we're insecure. And see, when the scripture says, if you'll stay calm, you'll get real insight, I believe that's a recipe for dealing with those issues. What if you just said, God, I'm just going to stop and pray. I'm not going to say what I wanted to say. I'm not going to do what I wanted to do. I'm just going to press pause on this and I'm going to pray and I'm going to trust you to show me what the root cause is here. That's how you deal with it. Here's the last one. Number three, restrain your remarks. This is good for everybody in the room. Proverb 21 says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. Everybody say, amen. Everybody say, it's your mouth that gets you in trouble. Well, I just tell you what, after everything she said to me, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. In that moment, you need all the pieces of your mind to join up and help you. Don't give any pieces of your mind, okay? Because the Bible says in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Be careful what you say. Use sweet words because you might have to eat your words, okay? Be careful what you say. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, a gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh one stirs it up. So anger's a real thing. It's around us everywhere. Your answer to someone else's anger controls their anger. Stop and hear me. I just got done telling you you could control your anger. It seems like Proverbs says, you may not be able to control, but you can at least affect someone else's anger. They come at you with anger. Your gentle answer is not only going to hold your anger down, it's going to hold their anger down. Unfortunately, some of us, you're like me. This is one of my growth areas I need to grow in. When I get backed into a corner, you know there's that flight or fight thing. Some of you are flight people. Some of you are fight people. I'm a fight person. Okay, I get backed in the corner. You you bomb me. I I, want to bomb you back. And see, what this proverb is saying is actually the fire of anger. Are you either throwing gasoline on that fire with your words or are you putting water on that fire? And too often, we throw gasoline on the fire. Loud words, angry words, sarcasm. You know, that, that makes it worse. And, and, and the louder you get, have you ever noticed the louder you get, the angrier you get? I'm gonna tell you one time, you put me through this for the last, I'm not gonna do this one more time. Every time you keep on doing this, rah, 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 louder and faster. And all you're doing is throwing gasoline on the fire. So let me wrap up with this. What do I do with my anger? There are three things I put in your notes you can do with your anger. And, 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 and there's two of them that are wrong. And I put X's by them because I wanted to make sure you didn't do it the wrong way. Number one thing you can do, you can express your anger. And a lot of people will tell you, to, you do know, a counselor, they might tell you, you've got to express your anger. You've got to get it out. Now, let me tell you why I put an X beside that, because usually you express your anger to the person who made you angry, and that's never going to go well. You just blow off on them. You, 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 you just give them everything you've got. And then some of you, like you're saying, well, no, I have a friend, you know? I have this trusted friend, and that's who I just unload all my garbage on. And let me tell you, that, there are probably moments where that's a good thing, but let me just tell you, in the big run of things, your friend doesn't want to keep hearing it over and over and over again. Who wants to be that friend? That you blah, 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 blow up on over and over again. I'm helping you right now. Some of you are sitting next to that friend and they're smiling and they're acting like that's not true and they're going, preach it, preacher, preach it, preacher. <laughs> You're welcome, all right? Don't be that person that just constantly has to blah, 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 blah. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. You might wonder about that one. Second thing that you do is you repress it. Also put an X beside that one. Don't repress it. It's just going to make it build up in you. It's going to cause an ulcer. It's going to cause you to blow up on somebody. So, Pastor, if I don't express it to anyone, I don't repress it, what do I do with it? Confess it. Put a big check mark beside it. Confess it. That's what I do. I confess to God. Here's why. Here's why. If I wrong you, I hurt your feelings, you get angry at me, and you go tell your friend about it. If I did this much wrong, by the time you get done telling it, it's this much. There's something about telling God where you have to be honest. Because God knows the answer. You can't just be, I can't believe blah, blah, blah. And he's this way. And she did me the... When you talk to God, there's something about that connection with him that starts purifying you, starts cleaning you up, starts fixing you. and And it starts to shine a light back on you. You know, the Bible says that God's word is a mirror. You start talking to God, God starts talking to you. You see yourself in this. The only part of this relationship that's made you angry or this problem that's making you angry, the only part of that you can affect is you. And so when you bring it to God, when you confess it, you bring it to prayer, God starts showing you where you can clean up. He starts showing you where you can make some changes in your own life. So that's that's where it needs to go. Admit it to God, unload it. And in fact, if you read the Psalms, also known as wisdom literature, by the way, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes are wisdom literature. If you read the Psalms, you'll find a lot of what David is doing is unloading his anger on God. He is. And some of them are beautiful poems and Psalms. And some of them, he's just angry. Like I read one the other day and he said, like, God, kill all my enemies and kick their teeth in. That's in your Bible. And I I read it. I'm like, really? I mean, after he killed them, that wasn't enough. He had to go back and kick their teeth in. It's just angry stuff. One of the Psalms, I, I just shudder to even admit this. David says, smash their babies against the wall really? That's in my Bible? That's how angry he was in that moment. That's how I know the Bible's real. Because if a man wrote the Bible, he would edit that out. I would not put that in there. But the Bible's just raw and it's real. And he was so angry. and He was frustrated. and He was saying ugly things. See, the bottom line is God can take all that. Your wife don't need to hear all that. I've been guilty of that like, I'm frustrated. I don't want to to fuss at anybody at work. I don't want to, you know, upset anybody. So I just go home and tell Leslie how frustrated. And it just feels like you're angry at that person, even though you're not. You know who can take it, though? God can take it. Take it to your prayer closet. Unload on him. Maybe after you've kind of run it through and it's gotten cleaned up a little bit, you've got a better vantage point on it. Then you go to a trusted friend. You talk about it. You find some accountability with that friend about how you can be better on it. Start by confessing it to God. See, because people, people are like squeeze-its. You know what a squeeze it is? We have this thing, my little boy likes to drink. It's kind of like Kool-Aid, but it's in this plastic thing, and you twist the top off. It's like a squeeze-it. And I don't like it because you gotta really grab it. It's hard to twist it, and by the time you twist it, it squirts out everywhere. You've, you've seen those things? Bryant likes the purple one. So you got purple on your pants, purple on your hands, purple on the floor. And people are just like that. Whatever's in them, when you squeeze them, it comes out. And some of us, were are so filled with frustration and anger and, and, and bitterness about things that have gone on in our lives. And, and your schedule has got you so strapped. If you, if you weren't here last week, get that message. That, that you're just under so much pressure the minute you get squeezed, anger and frustration and bitterness comes out. See, the God, God doesn't want that to come out of you. That's why you need to confess it to Him. You need to get all that out on Him. And see, so here's what He's going to do. When He empties you out, He's going to refill you. Guess what He's going to fill you with? Not anger, not bitterness and frustration. And He's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. That's what He wants you to be. He says, don't be drunk on excess, but be filled with with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And see, then when a person's filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't need to know what church you go to to know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to tell me if you speak in tongues or you can prophesy or you're a preacher to tell me. I don't need to know how you dress on Sunday to be. No, all I need to do is see what comes out of you when life squeezes you. Then I know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said the fruit of the Holy Spirit or, what comes out of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, self control, gentleness, goodness, kindness. Everything's freaking out around you, you get squished in the middle. What comes out? Love, kindness. I don't know about you all. I feel like stopping preaching right now and confessing my sins to God, okay? Are you feeling what I'm feeling, you know? The beautiful thing about God is he has an abundance of all this. Everything we're asking for, everything we need, God says you can have this. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what all of us, each of us in this room needs is the presence of God. We need more of the presence of God in our life.